Good morning. It's great to be able to join you on this cold, sleeting Sunday. We had obviously hoped to be able to gather here on campus today, but the weather has prevented that. I got a call from one of our deacons this morning that works with the Department of Transportation that said there were some road issues in Lincoln Parish and the surrounding area. So we decided to move all of our services online. And what a great opportunity this is for us to continue to worship. I am grateful for those who are helping us make this possible this morning. I call them the frosty few or the frosty faithful who showed up to help us to be able to get all the cameras and everything together so that we could come and bring worship to you, the toasty thousands who are there warm and able to worship with us. But what a great day for us to be able to continue to worship and to study together. I'm going to invite you to take your scripture this morning and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. Now, I love to travel. Many of you know that. And to be honest with you, I wish that I was traveling now. I wished I could find a warmer spot somewhere. But I've always wanted to go out and travel the coast of California. One of the things that I want to see one day would be what have been described for me as the largest or some of the largest living organisms in the world, the redwood trees. I'm told that the redwood trees would grow some 300 feet high. They would be 40 feet in diameter and they would be like 250 years old. I'd like to see those trees. I'd like to marvel at their size, but also I'm told that the reason they grow so massive is because they grow in groves and that their roots underneath the ground are intertwined. In other words, they grow together. The reason they do not topple over is because one tree literally holds up the other tree through the root system. They have grown together. We at Temple Baptist Church exist to see every member growing in Christ, connecting in community, and engaging in mission. That is our vision. That is our mission statement. And when you put the two of those together, those first two, two priorities, growing in Christ, connecting in community, you understand that it is within the community of faith, it is within the church that you and I truly see growth. And I want to show you that as we read through Paul's words today. Beginning in verse 11, Paul has again been addressing the Thessalonian believers and now he launches out into what some would call a pastoral prayer, a wish for the people there in Thessalonica. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Just a very simple prayer that Paul offers for the believers at Thessalonica. He had already told them in verse 10 that he'd been praying for them night and day. So now he just launches out and he says, this is my prayer for you as a church. Really, this is my wish for you as a church. He says, I want to be able to come to you and to see you. 
But also, I want to see your love increase. And I want to see you grow in holiness. So let me show you again how growth takes place in the community. In the community of faith we call the church. As I look through this prayer, I hear Paul saying this. Paul says within the community we call the church, within the community of faith, we actually grow in faith together. Paul said, I want to come see you. Verse 11, may he direct our way to you. May he make the pathway straight. Why did Paul and Silas and even Timothy want to make a return trip to Thessalonica? Well, in verse 10, it says that they wanted to go in order to complete what was lacking in their faith. In other words, they wanted to go so that they could encourage faith among the believers in Thessalonica. That's what happens, is that God puts us together so that we in the community of faith, those of us in the church, we can encourage one another to grow in their trust of Jesus Christ. It's important that there is a context, that there is an environment for growth. Now, I don't know much about plants. I know that I'm a skilled outdoorsman, and most people have recognized that already in Lincoln Parish and beyond. Actually, I have a, kind of a reputation all over the state now. But I don't know much about plants. I do know that they need warmth and light and water. They need nutrition in order to grow. One of the things that they've designed to help plants grow would be a greenhouse. And if you want a plant to grow on a day like today, you better have that plant in something like a greenhouse, a good environment, a good context. Because that humidity, that warmth, it helps the plant grow. You need a good environment, a good context for growth. And for you and I as believers, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, God, is, God has placed us within the context of church life, the context of the community, the authentic community of Christ, so that we can grow. Church is the place where faith is nurtured. How is your faith nurtured? Your faith is nurtured within the church through expositional biblical teaching. Do you understand that one of the reasons and one of the ways in which your faith can be magnified is through reading the word and hearing the word taught? See, I believe this is why it's so important on Sundays for us to be able to come together, even online, and to hear God's word because when we hear it, it should increase and encourage our faith each and every time. There's something about it. Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they want to go to see the Thessalonians so that they can teach them, so that they can build their faith. I know when I read the scripture, sometimes just reading the scripture will help, help accelerate my faith. Some days when I'm having some difficult times, and those do occur even in a preacher's life, I will turn over to the Psalms and I'll start just reading. And it's amazing how God will take a personal word from his scripture and apply it to my heart 
in a way to help me trust more, believe more, have more confidence. I believe it's important to have a corporate time of worship so that we can grow in our faith. But I also believe it's so important to have a small group in which we can study God's word to grow in our faith as well. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that if you had one hour on Sunday to give me, one hour, I think most of you got more than one hour, but if you got one hour on Sunday to give me, give it to me in a Sunday school class. Give it to me in a small group. Yes, worship is important. I think teaching and preaching is important. But the small group, that's where not only you connect in relationships, as I talked about a couple weeks ago, but it's the small group, it's the Sunday school where you're able to study and you're actually, you can actually ask questions. This, this is not a time of dialogue, typically, when I'm up here preaching and teaching. Now, there are some people that probably are talking or nodding off or doing all whatever you think, but it is important that you can talk about the Scripture. And in Sunday school, you can talk about it. You can ask questions. Or a small group. Maybe you meet in a small group on a, during the week for you to be able to get into that scripture. Because as you talk about it, as you hear it, as you see that teaching, you can grow in your faith. In the context of community, we grow in faith through biblical expositional teaching but also through what I would say authentic personal examples. Having people around you that are living faithful lives day in and day out, that should encourage you. It encourages me. I tell you, when I look around and I see people who are living for Christ, who are trusting in Christ, it just calls forth for me to live and to trust even in a greater way. Paul, Silas, Timothy. They said, we were examples to you. You see it already stated here in this little letter where they said, we were examples to you. They used the parental images of the father and mother and said, hey, we were there for you to encourage and to care for you. Through the personal relationship that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had with the Thessalonian believers, their faith was increased. And I say to you again, that as you are in the community of believers, your faith should be encouraged. I hate to embarrass her, and I hope that I would not. But this week, obviously, at our church, we went through a moment of loss. We lost one of our longtime members. Now, I say we lost him, but... I don't mean to insinuate that we don't know where he is because we, have, we know where he is. I don't have to find him. He is in heaven itself. His name was Paul Frazier. But this last week, his wife, Joan, as she walked through those moments, as she uh, saw the possibility of God calling him home, she was an example of faith. When I would talk to her on the phone, she would say, he is in God's hands. And as I shared at the funeral on this past Friday, I reminded people that we place God, well, we place ourselves in the Father's hands through our lives and also through our deaths. In other words, we trust him with our life, we trust him with our death. 
And I could hear in her voice, I could hear even in her brokenness as she would share with me that she knew that he was in the Lord's hands. Do you know how that encouraged my faith? I'm the preacher a lot of times. I'm the minister. I'm the one that's supposed to be encouraging others. And yet it's through people like that that I see faith. And all of a sudden, my faith and my trust is increased exponentially. Because this is what God does. God puts us in a community of believers. And as we see each one trusting in Christ, our trust itself is magnified. Paul said, we want to come to you to be able to increase your faith, to encourage you, because it's within the community of believers that your faith is going to grow. And for us, we should know that true growth comes through the community of believers as we hear teaching and as we see examples. But let me also point out this. It says in verse 12, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. In other words, Paul says it's in the community where your faith grows, but now he says it's in the community of believers, it's within the church context, that that's where your love is going to grow. He says, I pray, I wish that your love would increase and abound. Love is, love is nurtured. Love is grown through personal, sacrificial relationships with one another. I mean, think of the term itself, love. Love demands relationship. If you're talking about loving individuals or loving in some capacity, that means that you've got people to love. Love cannot exist without people. You know, years ago, I heard preachers say, ministry would be easy if it weren't for people. And, of course, you would say there would be no ministry if there weren't people. Well, you think about love. Love would be easy if it weren't for people, but you couldn't love if you didn't have people. Love says that there are relationships. Now, I know today has gone so differently than some of us thought it would, but today is Valentine's Day. And I hope that you probably already got a card for your spouse or for your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever else, I hope that you've already gotten a card. Maybe you've got some flowers. Hope you've already done that because it might be a little tough to do it today. Might even be dangerous. But Valentine's Day, we usually think about love and we think about relationships. Well, a few moments ago, as we were preparing to come on live stream, you saw a presentation of some of the couples just some of the couples who have been married for 50 plus years. Now, as we were doing our research, kind of looking at the church database, trying to figure out how many couples had been married for 50 plus years, we found, get this, we found that 96 couples within Temple Baptist Church had been married for 50 plus years. That's okay. Now you can like, put wow in the comment section, all right? Wow, 96 couples who have been married for 50 plus years. I always say that we thank God for the health because if God had not granted each one of those spouses health, 
they wouldn't be able to celebrate such anniversary. But also we are grateful for their commitment and their determination and their love for one another. Hey, that is an accomplishment, especially when a lot of them have had to put up with each other a lot more over this last year in isolation. That says even more about their love for one another, their marriage. But love, if you say that you love, that means that there's a person. Love screams for people. And so does the love of Scripture. When you're talking about loving, you're talking about having people in your life. Jesus said this would be the defining characteristic of the church. Remember what he said? He said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. It's within the church that you get to practice love, that you get to love on individuals. That's where you get to find your brothers and sisters in Christ. The word for love in this passage is the word agape. Now, in the original language, you'll find several different words that will speak to love. Family love, romantic love, friendship love. But here, this word for love, agape, it means something of a commitment or sacrifice that you are making for other individuals. So here he says, I hope and pray that you grow in sacrificial love to one another, that you are demonstrating yourself in relationship to one another. This is the way John put it, as he wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. He says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. In other words, John said, the way we know love is because of the example of God through Jesus Christ. And then he says, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In other words... Just as Jesus was willing to lay his life down for the church, so we should be willing to lay our lives down for others. Did you hear that? That we should be willing to sacrifice ourselves. That we should be willing to give ourselves up. In the last year or so, I believe we have seen more division, more difficulty, We've seen a lot of disappointment and even discouragement. I will tell you that at no time in my ministry have I seen such divisiveness in the church as I have over the last few months. Now, I'm not talking about just Temple Baptist Church. I'm talking about the church in general. I've never seen such divisiveness within the church in general. And yet, the love of Christ is what should be our defining characteristic the love of Christ that is demonstrated to others, that is shown to others. We're called to lay our lives down. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not even sure we'll lay our opinions down sometimes or lay our preferences down or lay our political agendas down or lay any type of ungodly speech down. And yet, we are called to love one another. I will tell you, I will tell you 
that you and I need to take all of these opinions and allow them to bow before the truth. We need to take all of these political and cultural divisions and we need to allow the healing of God to come into our lives. And we need to be the church. We need to be the people who love one another. My prayer would be just like Paul's prayer, that we would increase and abound in love toward one another. The word increase means simply that, that you are going to multiply that love. And the language there is decisively like it's going to be a change. The church, is, the church was loving individuals. You see this in the letter. They were already loving individuals, but what Paul wanted to see was that they would grow. They would totally increase. They would abound decisively in the Lord's love. Abound means overflow. It's kind of like the idea of a boiling pot. You've got the water. It begins to boil out. You try to put a top on it. You can't keep the top on it. It just keeps boiling out. And that is the picture of what the church should look like is that love itself would just boil out from us. It would be accomplished through personal, sacrificial relationships. And love not only between brothers and sisters in Christ, but love to all. That's what he says. He says that you would abound in love to one another and to all. So this is the way I would envision it. Church is the place where we practice love. It's kind of where we hone up on our love. And it should be so easy because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We share the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are blood relatives because of what he has done for us. So it should be so easy for us just to love one another. So we're going to practice love here within the church. We're going to love our brothers and sisters. But get this, then we're going to go out and run the plays. Because it's one thing to practice love. It's another thing to go out and run the play and demonstrate love to those people we come in contact with. That's what I always think we're coming together on Sunday morning, for example. It's kind of like the huddle, the holy huddle, where we come and we call the plays, we talk about things, we get ready, and then we go out and we actually practice what we preach. We love one another, and then we go out and we demonstrate love to others. I will say again, if you can't love your brother and sister in Christ, it's going to be very difficult for you to love other people outside of the Lord's grace. If you can't love people that you share priorities and values and biblical worldview with, if you can't love those kind of people, you're going to have issues loving those who are unlovable. And yet, he says, I pray that you would increase and abound in love itself. Hey, the final component of this prayer, he says, in the community, not only do you grow in faith and you grow in love, but he says you grow in holiness. So love is the basis of verse 12 and then verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. He says, so you love one another, you have a sacrificial love for one another, but then that leads you to a greater sense of holiness. Your holiness is nurtured through intentional daily interactions with others. So 
as you are living in the community of faith, your heart's going to be established. Again, that word established comes from the same word we talked about last week, like meaning steroid or strengthen. So you're going to strengthen your hearts so that you're living holy lives. You're going to be able to see each other sanctified, each other growing in Christ. So, hey, what's the goal of every believer? The goal of every believer is to look more like Jesus, to be set apart like him, to be holy like he is. In the Old Testament, God said, you are to be holy because I'm holy. Peter uh, repeated that later on in his letters, that we are to be holy because he's holy, that we're different, that we're set apart, that we look like Jesus. But this is the truth. You are set apart by sitting together. You are set apart by serving together. You are set apart by sharing together. You are set apart because in the local church, within believers, we are able to grow together. And that's what God intended. God never called you to, in some way, live a reclusive life, to withdraw He never said that you need to find the greatest monastery because what happens today is that people think spiritual maturity, well, it can be found in some type of withdrawn community, in a mountain somewhere, maybe in a monastery. That's not what God intended. God intended for you to live in the community of believers and through the community of believers to grow in your sanctification, in your Holiness. Let me read for you what Rick Warren says. Rick Warren said, Many people assume that all, all that is needed for spiritual growth is Bible study and prayer. But some issues in life will never be changed by Bible study or prayer alone. God uses people. He usually prefers to work through people rather than perform miracles so that we will depend on each other for fellowship. He wants us to grow together. Spiritual maturity is not a solitary individual pursuit. It cannot grow to Christ-likeness or you cannot grow to Christ-likeness in isolation. You must be around other people and interact with them. You need to be a part of a church and a community. Why? Because again, you want to learn to look like Jesus. You want to learn to love like Jesus. And the only way you can do that is through the local group of believers we call the church. That's where you are able to find growth. The writer of Proverbs says it this way. As iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That means that as we are able to be around each other, we are able to help each other grow. We sharpen one another. I need to be refined. I need some rough edges to be knocked off. I need to be sharpened. And that occurs in the daily interaction that I have with others, especially with those who are called to the faith, to the, to the, the same community that I'm called to. We are to help each other, to sharpen one another as God gives us the opportunity. 
Isn't that what Jesus did when he called forth the disciples? He called forth them to follow him and to lead him and through their interactions. You know, people always think, what is discipleship? Used to, when I was coming up, we had like discipleship training on Sunday evening. And, and that was a good hour. It was a good hour when you were supposed to go deeper into the biblical message. Maybe you even talked about church history. Maybe you even talked about theology. That's the way it was supposed to be set up. But discipleship doesn't come through simply one hour on Sunday evening. Jesus didn't say, I need you to take this seminar, and then all of a sudden you'll be schooled in all the techniques and all the theology of discipleship. He didn't say that. Jesus would look at those disciples and he would say, follow me, follow me. And the way they became more like him was staying with him. The way they became more kingdom-minded was by hearing him teach, by being around him day in and day out. And I say to you that the way we become more like him, the way we are to grow in our holiness is to be around the followers of Jesus. We can grow in our holiness. He truly did call us to be one another people, to live in one another relationships. So this week as I was preparing, I, I looked up some of those one another's or each other's in the New Testament. Did you realize there are like 50 plus one another's or each other's in the New Testament? I'm not going to read all of them, but listen, listen to the commands that we find in the New Testament. It says, be at peace with each other, wash one another's feet, love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another. Again, love one another, accept one another, instruct one another, greet one another, serve one another, carry each other's burdens, be patient, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Teach one another, admonish one another, build each other up, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other and love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. There's so many of those to be repeated. You see, you and I were created for one another life. We were created to live in context so that we could grow confessing to one another, admonishing one another teaching one another, loving one another. All of that demonstrates to us the need for a community in which we can grow, and we can grow more into the image of Christ. And I would say this to you finally. You and I need the community of believers to grow in our holiness, especially, especially, as we get closer to the return of Jesus. Did you see that in verse 13? It says that he will establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. In other words, we need to get ready for the coming of Jesus. We need to prepare ourselves. Now, how do we prepare ourselves? First, through giving our lives, surrendering ourselves to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. That's the most important, that we placed our faith. Because look, when I stand before the Father one day, I can't stand in front of him with my own filthy rags. But I can stand before him with the 
perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to me, the clothing that Christ has given to me. I can stand before him. But even as I live my life, I want to live it in such a way that it ethically and morally represents him so that when he returns, I will be able to stand knowing that I have served, knowing that I've given myself to him fully. Peter says this, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What he says is, you realize all this stuff is just temporary. Like one of these days, Jesus Christ come back. Now, listen, he is coming back. I'd about decided he was coming back in 2020 because all the things happening. I thought 2021 was going to get better. Not sure after today and the days we've seen recently. I would know this, that Jesus Christ, he's coming back. And it's getting closer and closer by the day. I'm closer today than I was yesterday. Could it be a thousand more years? Yes, because nobody knows. But it also could be tomorrow morning. And what you and I need to do is focus on our relationship with him. We want to live for him and we want to look like him. We want to look like him. And the church, the people of God help us to look like him. You help me to look more like Jesus. You help me to grow in my faith. You help me to grow in my love. You help me to grow even in my holiness. Paul prays for the church and he says, Lord, I pray that I can go back to them to help them increase their faith, to grow in their faith. Paul says, Lord, I pray that you would help them increase and abound in love. Lord, I pray that you'd establish their hearts in holiness so that they will be ready for your return. Oh, what a prayer. What, what a teaching through that prayer of the need for a community of believers. If you're watching today and you don't have a community of faith, you don't have a local body of believers, I want to encourage you to text 97,000. Just text needs to 97,000. Let us get in touch with you about your relationship with the Lord and maybe helping you plug in where you need to plug in. There's some of you that need to really get involved in a small group. Some of you have come to worship and all of that, but you need to find a small group. If you'll contact us, we'll help you do that as well. But even during these days, God allows us to be here for one another even through what we're going to face this week. Already we've been able to help a few folks the last few days as they had their pipes covered and all of that. We were able to go out and help. And let me say this to you. If you have a need over the next few days as we go through this week, would you again text NEEDS to 97000? It could be a prayer need or it could be simply a practical need and if we can help you at all we want to be there because again we're a community of faith we're a community of believers hey folks you are my family we are the family of God never doubt it and God has called us together to grow in faith love and holiness I want to pray to that end today as we close this time Father we come to you and Lord I thank you for those who have joined us online I thank you for those who have worshiped with us this morning. And God, right now, I pray that in their living room or maybe, Lord, 
even as the few of us that have gathered here, that you would help us to grow in our faith, that we would grow in our love, that we would grow in our holiness, that we'd do it together because, Lord, there is no other way, that we'd do it together as your people, as the community of believers. Lord, bless us this week. Keep us safe. Watch over us and help us to be faithful witnesses to you. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen.